Hello, and welcome to the Vevolution podcast. Since starting in late 2016, Vevolution has been creating inspiring events for the plant-powered generation. Each episode of this podcast will share with you stories and ideas told by plant-based thought leaders from the Vevolution stage. We're super excited to announce that tickets for Vevolution Festival 2018, the UK's leading plant-powered festival, are now on sale. The festival is back for its third year and takes place on the 10th of November at London's iconic British Film Institute on London South Bank. Expect a day of inspiring talks, workshops, panels and the best of the UK vegan food scene. Secure your place today for Vevolution Festival 2018 by visiting www.vevolution.co forward slash festival hyphen 2018. Matthew Glover is an entrepreneur, vegan campaigner, writer, and public speaker. Along with his wife, Jane, he created the Go Vegan campaign, Veganuary. He recently left the charity to work on new exciting advocacy campaigns for 2019. This talk was recorded at Vevolution Topics Effective Advocacy 2018. Uh, thank you, Damien. Very kind. Thank you to everybody that's here. Um, you've had three amazing speakers so far, and now you've got me. <laughs> um, I'm going to start talking about um, a bit of a history lesson, actually. Um, so between 1803 and 1815, uh, Europe was in the midst of quite a lot of turmoil. Um, it was called the Napoleonic Wars. and what it was at the time, there was a lot of conflict between different countries, but essentially it was mainly a conflict between uh, the British Empire and the French Empire, and it was a real struggle at the time. Now, the British soldiers, um, they always used to fight in red blazers, and the reason for that um, you probably uh, wouldn't have known. Basically, what, the reason why they had the red blazers was in case they ever got injured, during combat, say they got shot and, and you know, just slightly damaged but they could fight on, the blood wouldn't show through. So it was great for morale and also for the opposition as well. You know, they didn't look like they'd been injured. And so for a similar reason to this, I'm wearing brown trousers tonight. <laughs> I'm quite a nervous speaker. <laughs> Um, and I'm especially nervous tonight because um, the topic of my conversation is uh, a little bit more controversial than what I would normally do. Uh, normally I tend to speak about how great Veganuary is and uh, you know, what we've done in the past and what we're going to do in the future and it's all really positive. Whereas tonight it's possible that I might piss some of you off. Um, so I've also come prepared and I've got my running shoes on as well just in case <laughs> I need to make a quick dash uh, at the end. Um, so the reason why it's controversial is that um, basically since we started Veganuary, we always felt that it was important that we support um, all efforts by big companies to move in the right direction in terms of adding more <coughs> vegan products. Um, but not everybody necessarily agrees with this. Uh, and I think you tend to get a small but very vocal uh, part of the movement that um, feels that they should boycott and campaign uh, against big companies. So the reason for this is quite often uh, an anti-capitalist agenda. Um, 
a lot of people are concerned about the ethics of some of the companies um, that Veganuary uh, tries to help encourage. Um, you get people complaining about the types of food, so uh, sort of this anti-processed food type of thing, whereas, you know, Veganuary should only pr be promoting whole food, plant-based, healthy foods. Um, we get people criticising us for promoting products that have, have been produced, for example, with palm oil, um, or how they've been packaged. So, for example, um, lots of plastic are being used um, in the products. So, I want to state that I do sympathise with all of these views. Um, the world is imperfect, and I too would like to see improvements to capitalism, to the types of products that are being produced. But today that I'm going to argue that to achieve animal liberation, we need to work within the current system and not fight it. So to highlight the types of attitudes that we get um, within the vegan movement, I'd like to share a recent post that Veganuary put out. Um, so I don't know if you can read it very well, but um, KFC last week uh, launched a vegetarian chicken and, and healthier sides option. And we put out that, you know the world's changing when this happens, and we saw it as progress. And a lot of people um, on our page definitely agreed with that. They saw it as progress. But not everybody agreed. So, my eyes are not very good, but here's some of the comments. Um, but offering vegetarian food or not, you are still supporting a company with a very unvegetarian vegan ethos. Your money is power, use it wisely. And that comment got 36 likes, so it's not just an individual that feels like that. A lot of people feel like that. Um, awesome to have more options. I just don't think I can support a company like them when they have employees who torture animals for fun. Another person said, I've always hated KFC and won't step inside. All the dead chickens in there make me want to vomit. We'll still never go in there. Another person said, I went past a KFC last week and couldn't believe the smell of the cooking. It was quite stomach churning. I can't imagine ever eating something vegetarian or vegan in somewhere like that. I won't go on to all of them, but you get the, the idea. Now, I must stress at this point that we're not entirely blameless ourselves. Uh, this was a, a jokey post that we put out there saying, um, do not enter any of these sort of chain restaurants. Um, obviously, it was a bit tongue-in-cheek. Um, clearly, we felt it was a joke, uh, but maybe not one of our finer moments. I think the point I'm trying to make is that all of us need to think a little bit more strategically. So I want you to all to imagine that this big black rectangle here is, represents the whole meat, dairy and egg industry. Uh, so this is all of the farms and the meat producers and the packaging side, but it's not necessarily the supermarkets or the restaurants. And if you look at this white square here, just imagine that this represents uh, the plant-based food sector. So these are the companies that are producing alternatives. Um, so, you know, uh, replacement meat, dairy, those type of products. Now, bear in mind that uh, not much of the plant-based food sector is, uh, or, or quite a lot of the plant-based food companies are actually owned by uh, meat and dairy companies in their own right. So if we just looked at the 100% ethical businesses, then I would argue that it's a really small dot within that big black rectangle. Now, we could say, well, let's support those companies, and I do, obviously. But even if they grew like 
10 times or I had 1,000% growth, it would still be a very small proportion in comparison to the bigger picture, which is the big black rectangle. Now, let's say that this has happened over 10 years. The problem is the black rectangle has actually grown in size over that period of time because people are eating more and more meat, dairy and eggs all of the time. So we're potentially losing ground by neglecting to think about engaging with the meat, dairy and egg industries and more animals uh, are being harmed by doing so. So what is a 100% ethical business? Well, there's some amazing ones here. Mike, I love you. All of you guys, you're doing great things. Um, I'm not criticizing. Um, but I think sometimes it, it's just not necessarily that simple. Uh, sometimes the companies are not necessarily 100% ethical. How do you work this out? Do these companies only employ vegans, for example, or do they have non-vegans there? Where do people that are employed, where do they spend their money? You know, where do they buy their ingredients from? Do they buy their ingredients from non-vegan businesses? Where do they bank? You know, it's a case of where do we draw the line here? And more importantly, to some extent, can these 100% ethically pure businesses ever scale up to be able to create the vegan world that we, that we want? So this I see as the current situation. I'm sure many of you have seen this graphic before. Um, so only 10 companies control almost every large food and beverage brand in the world. These companies, uh, Nestle, PepsiCo, Coca-Cola, Unilever, Danone, General Mills, Kellogg's, Mars, Associated British Foods, and Mondelez, each of these companies employ thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And they make billions of dollars um, in revenue each year. These companies control virtually everything. If we then look at the big meat companies, their revenues are in the billions. So just looking at Cargill, Tyson, Smithfield and JBS, who are the four biggest meat producers in the US, they've got a combined turnover of $168 billion. If we then compare that with Gardein, Field Roast, and uh, Tofurky and Quorn, and by the way, Quorn's not obviously a 100% vegan business even, then it's about half a billion. So there's a big difference there. Then if we look at uh, another example, if we look at the fast food outlets, uh, McDonald's, Subway, KFC and Burger King, between them have over 100,000 restaurants between them. Now, I've been trying to rack my brains and thinking about, well, what about vegan chain restaurants and you know I'm aware of Loving Hut that have 140 Veggie Grill I've been on their website they've got 36 Native Foods have got 12 these are US brands those two in the UK I can't really think of any I've put Temple of Satan down as a, a brilliant example um, but if you imagine that all of those companies those, those four companies all grew in size tenfold in the next 10 years which would be tremendous then the 200 restaurants there would become 2,000, which is great. But if these 100,000 restaurants here, if those companies only grew by 10%, then that would add an extra 20,000 restaurants that are serving dead animals compared to the 2,000 over here. So I just don't think that we should ignore these companies. We need to think about how can we get them to stop doing what they're doing. 
And there's loads more chain restaurants on our high streets as well. And they're all selling meat, dairy, eggs in large quantities. And then if we look at where people in the UK buy their groceries, then it's 10 companies that actually control 97% of the market. Um, Tesco, Sainsbury's, Asda, obviously. Um, the independents have 1.8% of the market. And then, and that, I guess that might be things like uh, Holland and Barrett, for example. Um, and then other outlets have a further 1.8%. So there are no large vegan supermarkets in the UK at the moment. And the 100% ethical vegan shops are going to be a very, very small fraction of the 1.8% of other outlets. So it, we're in a position where it's virtually impossible for vegans like us to live in a 100% ethical, pure way. And all the time, animals are being exploited for our general pleasure, as we see here. So, is uh, boycotting big businesses bad for animals? Or is boycotting big businesses, is it really more a case of uh, providing a person with a clearer conscience, maybe? And is it the right thing to do? So I just want to give you some examples. Um, in July 2017, Daya Cheese uh, was bought by Otsuka uh, for $325 million. Now, many vegans at the time uh, were very angry about this because Otsuka is a big pharmaceutical company. And as with all big pharmaceutical companies, they test on animals. So I saw lots of people on my Facebook very publicly saying that they will no longer buy dairy products. They felt betrayed by this action. So fast forward sort of 18 months since this happened, how has it panned out for Daya? Well, despite uh, a small number of vegans boycotting them, sales are actually booming. With the new investment that they've got from Otsuka, they're expanding into new, larger 400,000 square foot factory. They've been hiring more new staff and they're on track to generate 1 billion in revenue now, I would suggest that this is really great news for cows. Another example is Tyson Foods. They're a big meat company. Um, and they bought a 5% stake in Beyond Meat. Now, many vegans were very upset by this. Uh, Beyond Meat had sold out, basically. But if we're focusing on uh, reducing animal suffering, I would argue that this was actually a good thing. Tyson themselves, who I understand do really awful things, have started to see themselves as more of a protein company and not just a meat company. So if we can get them to start thinking like that, that they don't necessarily only need to sell meat, that they can actually make money out of plant proteins, I see that as a step in the right direction. Uh, they've since uh, increased their stake in Beyond Meat and they've also invested in Memphis Meat uh, which is a cultured meat company. So since 2016, Beyond Meat have been increasing production. They've been developing new products such as the Beyond Sausage, which is amazing, um, and are soon to, uh, soon to launch internationally. Um, I think they're coming to the UK very soon. 
So this is a product, the Beyond Meat Burger, is a product that non-vegans like. It is very, very lifelike and has the potential to be a real game changer in turning people vegan and ultimately reducing animal suffering. Another example is Danone. Danone is a massive French dairy company and they bought white wave foods in 2016 for $12.5 billion. Uh, they're known in the UK and, the, uh, and Europe as Alpro. Now many vegans were unhappy about this. Another vegan brand has sold its soul. They were worried that the profits from the plant-based milks could get re-diverted into animal exploitation, into the dairy side of, of that business. So in 2017, I looked at the uh, financial information and Danone released their financial results uh, and the profits that the company had grown, mainly due to white, the white wave acquisition. The gr great news here is that the dairy brands like Activia, their sales were down or sort of level whereas Alpro had achieved double-digit growth. So I'm trying to imagine if you were sat in the boardroom at Danone and you've got a side of your business that's on the way down and it's really price sensitive and it's not making money and it's under pressure and you've got another side of the business that's plant-based and that's making money, where are you going to think about investing your money in the future? I think it's like common sense that you would start investing in the plant-based foods. So could it actually be that originally the dairy industry and the profits that were made from that could actually be used for the benefit of the plant-based sector going forward with these companies buying these? Apologies for showing you this. A lot of people don't like McDonald's. Um, McDonald's for a lot of people is the prototype of a bad company. Even though most restaurants throughout the world serve dead animals, McDonald's are seen as being worse than all the rest. Um, so then bringing out the McVegan in Finland recently got a lot of people very upset. But McDonald's have got 36,900 restaurants. To give you an idea, I had to look at Happy Cow and all of the vegan restaurants throughout the world only account for 22,000. So McDonald's have got more just one chain of restaurants got more outlets than all the vegan restaurants put together. So every time a person chooses a McVegan over a Big Mac, then I consider that as a real win for animals. McDonald's is not going to go away. The best thing that we can really, realistically expect is gradual change in a positive direction there. So I do apologize, this presentation is, is not all, well, it's, so far it's been all doom and gloom. But I do have some good news. Um, I feel like the times, they are a-changing. <laughs> so this year, ProVeg uh, arranged a corporate outreach summit in Berlin. It brought together activists um, from all over the world um, to talk about strategies to influence companies to add more plant-based options. It was amazing. There's more and more people are realizing how we can help animals by engaging with these corporations. I'm in the top left. I don't know if you can see the guy up there. Looks a bit like Philip Schofield with gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. And this is a bigger picture of me here. Um, in the background, you'll see the brand managers of various Unilever brands. 
I was a speaker at a flexitarian immersion day. Apologies about the word flexitarian, sorry. Um, and the people in the background there were representing brands such as Pot Noodle, Hellman's, uh, Marmite, Bovril, uh, Coleman's, Knorr, uh, and Red Red, who are here, by the way. Um, Sophie's here, and uh, please do go over and check their, their products out. So what I found when I spoke to these people was that Unilever have really nice people working there. Look at these people. They're not evil. They're really good people. Um, and I found out, listening to their conversations, that they share the same values as us. There are people there that care about the environment. They care about animal welfare. They care about plastic being used and how to think about getting plastic out of their systems. And the great news is that they're taking plant-based foods really seriously. And indeed, they're looking at, I don't know, I signed an NDA, so I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be saying this on camera. Um, but they're actually, <laughs> they're actually talking about 2019 being the year of plant-based. Imagine that, that's Unilever, who we all love to hate. I just see that as a real positive thing. I also met, went to meet with Greencore. They make 690 million food-to-go products each year. Most of them have animal products in there. So they make sandwiches, wraps, rolls, and sushi. And they supply them to supermarkets, high street chains, petrol forecourts, uh, and convenience stores. So a lot of the stuff, like if you go to Boots, or you go to Waitrose, and you see a sandwich, it'll, be over, it'll have the Waitrose branding on it, but it was made by Greencore. So they are finding that their customers, the supermarkets, are demanding more and more vegan options. The words they used was that vegan is the hot topic of this year, which is great to hear. Um, but it's because their customers are demanding it. So it's because people are going in and using that supermarket and asking for these products. So they're calling people like me in to go in and advise them. And again, I see this as serious progress. So we're working with them to design up a survey so we can give them better advice as to what they should be making uh, for vegans, um, and more importantly, non-vegans. Because it's, it's really funny because they were show, showing me pictures of uh, like roasted vegetable sandwiches and saying, look, we've made this. And I'm like, how did it do? And they're like, well, it didn't sell very well, actually. And I'm like, well, what do you expect? It's a roasted vegetable sandwich. Would you eat that? You know? <laughs> What vegans want is a vegan BLT. They want vegan plowmans. They want vegan chicken salad, that type of thing. And they just never really considered that because they just assumed that, that all we want is like low calorie health food. And yes, sometimes we do, but we also want to eat the same types of food as everybody else. But it's only by going in there and talking to them do they start to understand this. So should we be happy if corporates make money out of vegans? Yes, we should. See, if these companies see profit from the growth of vegan products, they'll become less resistant to this evolution. The meat, dairy, and egg lobbies are really powerful. And, but as the industry's financial dependence on selling animal products starts to weaken, and while it's also starting to make profits out of vegan plant-based foods, then we can expect a shift in their attitudes. 
And we're already seeing this. It's starting to happen right now, but it's early stages. So this logic applies to dairy companies, to supermarkets, to chain restaurants, and to Unilever. And I would argue that we can't achieve what we want to achieve, a vegan world, animal liberation, whatever we want to call it. We can't achieve this without working with these guys. They have the cash to invest. They have huge advertising budgets. They have the infrastructure such as the warehouses, the delivery vehicles, the systems. They have the staff. Hundreds of thousands of people work for these companies. And they tend to get the better qualified staff. You know, when people come out of university, they go and work for Unilever, and they go and work for Nestle. And these companies can accelerate research and development more so than small vegan businesses could ever do. And they have more power at government through lobbying to effect change. So I would suggest that we need to think of them in the future as being allies. And we should need to help these companies to evolve into something better. And more generally, um, I think it feels and it's like human nature for us always to need enemies. And we want somebody to blame. And for many, animal liberation is a fight. And I understand that. I feel the same way myself all the time. But I feel that before we start rushing to make judgments, especially publicly on social media, maybe we could practice something called slow opinion, a phrase I've heard uh, recently from Tobias Lina, who's been mentioned already in some of the other talks. Let's try to take the perspective of the other party. Let's try to be open-minded. Um, we don't necessarily know what their intentions are. Um, let's not be mind readers of what they're thinking. And let's remember that most of us willingly took part in the exploitation of animals ourselves. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vevolution podcast. If you enjoyed this talk, please leave us a favourable review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until the next time, take care and we look forward to seeing you soon.